Okay. Great. Oh, <laughs> and I am on. <laughs> it's good to see everyone here. Uh, I want to make a special welcome to our visitors that have come to visit us today to join in our Sabbath service. We hope you gain a special blessing from our program today. This is my last week of prayer month. So, and I found I have a uh, women's devotional Bible, and uh, looking through that, I found uh, a poem by Becky Terabasi. And some of you probably remember when we had Becky Terabasi here for Women's Ministries to speak at one of our special programs. I am convinced that God's Holy Spirit orchestrates our lives to touch others. Strangers, friends, work-related people, service industry workers, and more. If we would just open up ourselves, how? Be free to be in love with Jesus in front of people. That's the hard part, isn't it? Be free to be in love with Jesus in front of people. Be an ambassador through whom he can introduce himself. There is a world out there hungry and searching for Jesus and his love. Don't keep him to yourself. That, and you, we are beginning to see more and more of that as people speak out, uh, even on television, about how important it is their faith is to them. And they re, they're expressing God in front of the whole world. Would you reject a friendly, caring individual, especially if you happen to be needy, hurting, lonely, dissatisfied with life, or actually searching for God? So just remember, our daily actions and what we do in front of people, that's our, our ministry, that's our, our sermon, and we can speak that every day. You have a wonderful Sabbath day, and remember to keep God first in your life. Dale? Good morning, everyone. Hey, be thankful for that sunshine. Unless you're sitting over here and it's shining on you, it might put you to sleep. We hope not. This morning, our, our offering, first of all, uh, most of you know it, but I got to do it. At the back of the sanctuary here, there's a box with a slot in it that's for offering, as well as the box over here at this door, and you have plenty of uh, tithe envelopes. If you, the, loose, the loose change goes to Camp Mivadon Development. I'm going to read the, the quote to you, the verse, 1 Timothy 4.12. Don't, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. You know, we, most of us, when we think of Camp Mivadon, we think of the youth. But there's some of us that are 70 plus 
that go to Camp Myvedon. I didn't make it to Camp Myvedon until I was in my late 20s. I wanted to go as a child, as, as a youth, as everybody thinks, but too many youth, small family, or I mean a family that didn't have enough funds, we didn't get to go. Uh, Judy and I went with the Pathfinders when we were in our 20s. Our kids went to Camp Myvedon. So Camp Myvedon is, is very important. There may be some of you that, that may want to sponsor one of the youth uh, to go to Camp Myvedon. If, that's a, if, if you have an interest in doing that, you might check with Sandra. She can help you, you know, with that process. Lots of good times at camp. I, Judy and I went for probably 10 years afterwards. And lots of, lots of fun at camp. We could bow our heads for prayer. Lord, we are thankful that our conference has such a powerful ministry for our youth. Please richly bless the young people that will work there this summer as well as the youth that will attend. May they be spiritually strengthened and emotionally blessed. We thank you once again, Heavenly Father, for our blessings and for Jesus, their name. Amen. The children's story. I'm not Doris. <laughs> but we got a little confused there. We work it out. Um, Martha's going to have our children's story. Uh, the children, as they make the rounds to gather offering up, make sure you hit those corners and kind of down this side right over there. We want to make sure we get all the dollars that people have for you today.
Good morning, children. Happy Sabbath. I'm going to tell you a story about this puppy dog. Can you pass that around? Check him out and pass it on to the next person. His name is Bane, and his daddy, his owner, is a big rig tractor trailer driver. And one day, Bane's daddy stopped for gas, and he got out of his truck, and while it was filling up, he went around the corner, and Bane was back in the sleeper in the back. And this bad guy came and got in the truck and took it and left with Bane in the back. And Bane didn't know quite what to do. He was scared. Here was the stranger driving his daddy's truck, and he didn't know where his daddy was. But he sat back there very quietly. And the guy finally realized, oh, there's a dog back here. So he pulls off the highway and lets the dog out. And Bane was scared to death. All this traffic was going on, and he didn't know what to do. His dad was gone, and now his truck was gone, and he was really frightened. But there was a, a Burger King restaurant down under the inner pass, so he went down there and hid in the bushes behind this Burger King restaurant. And he was able to find enough to eat and drink, but he just stayed in that field wondering, how long is it going to take for my dad to find me? Well, the police came and talked to his dad and found out all about the truck and what the license number was. And they got people searching for that truck. And they finally found it about five days later. But the man that had stolen it had sold it to somebody else. And that guy got arrested because he was a drug dealer. And it gets more intense from here because now they've got to find the guy that originally sold it in order to find out what happened to the dog. Well, they finally got the guy that had sold it, and he says, well, I let the dog out on the highway near such and such a town. And the news media got involved, this nice news lady, she got involved and she started reporting on the television about Bain and how his daddy's trying to find him and anybody that might have any information to please contact her. Well, all kinds of people were calling and saying, well, I saw this stray dog it's over here, and Bain's daddy would go and look, and no, it wasn't his dog. And somebody else would call in and say, well, I think I saw a dog over here, and Bain's daddy would go, and it wasn't him. But you know, Bain just stayed in that field and waited because he knew that his dad loved him and he would be back for him. He just had to be patient. It took 19 days, 
Poor Bain was in that field for 19 days. But finally, somebody said, I think I saw that dog in the field behind Burger King. And Bain's daddy and his mama went in the middle of the night to find him. They stayed there until 1 o'clock in the morning. And they didn't think he was gonna, they were going to find him. But the mama got out of the truck finally and said, I'm going to try one more time. And she started hollering. And Bain recognized her voice. And he came running. And the dad opened up his truck door. And Bain jumped in and licked him and was whining and crying and, and just carrying on. And when they got home, when he saw that he was finally home, he was barking at the front door and just so happy. He was wagging from one end to the other. But you know, he was frightened during part of that time. And we're in a strange land. We don't belong here. This isn't our home. And we're waiting for our dad to come and get us too, aren't we? And sometimes it's a little frightening but if we just hang on to our faith and we trust that our dad loves us more than life itself and he's going to come back and get us and we just have to be patient, he will come one day and it'll be all worth it. And I don't know if we'll be wagging from one end to the other, but I think we'll really be glad, huh? You can go back to your seats.
It is now time that we take for our congregational prayer. I know that many of you have wants and needs and wishes on your hearts this morning, and I hope that many of you have praises and thanks. So won't you join me this morning as we, uh, you can kneel if that's comfortable for you, you can stand if that's also better for you, or you can sit in the pew as you join me in prayer this morning. Won't you bow your heads? My Father, thank you for this beautiful Sabbath day. Thank you for everyone that you have brought here this morning to worship you. Thank you for those who are watching us over the wireless airwaves. I know that they are also joining us in prayer this morning. Thank you for so many blessings, Father. We cannot begin to number them all or even think of them, every one of them, but this Sabbath day is a blessing for each one of us, and thank you so much for the sunshine. And may the sun also shine in our hearts today. We have many needs and um, concerns on our hearts this morning. There are members of your family worldwide that are suffering today, or maybe traveling today, or meeting with family and having praises of being with families. And I know that you will be with every one of them in a special way. We especially think of the Ukrainians, our church members there, and in the European Union even, and our church members and the people of Russia. We know that you are in control, Father, and we just pray that you will give us courage to remember that you are in control. Help us not to fear for the future because of the fact that you are watching over each one of us in a special way. We also pray that you will be with our leaders worldwide as they Discuss the affairs of the world. We pray that your Holy Spirit will continue to guide them in their decision-making and also in their interactions together. We have a church member this morning that we want to think of, especially in prayer. I understand that Pete Dietz has been ill. So I, I just request that you will reach out and wrap your arms of love and concern around him. May he know that you are near and dear. We also ask that you will be with our pastor this morning as he brings us your words from on high. Bless him with your Holy Spirit. And may the words that he brings to us this morning speak to each of our hearts in a very special way. 
And now I ask that you will continue to be with us through the rest of the Sabbath hours and in the days and weeks ahead that we not get discouraged, but always remember that you are there. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayer this morning. Amen. Amen. It is now time for our scripture reading this morning. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to um, John, I believe that's right, let me look here, John 14, verse 12. So when you get there, you're going to have a part in this, so when you get there, please say amen, so I know you're there. Okay, some of you already beat me to the punchline. Okay, John 14, verse 12. This is Jesus speaking. I tell you the truth. Anyone. Who? Anyone. Anyone who believes in me. Not me. But anyone who believes in Jesus will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. May the Lord add his special blessing to the reading of his word this morning and to our pastor as he speaks to us.
Good morning and happy Sabbath, everybody. A lot of times preachers will get up and they'll say good morning and happy Sabbath and everyone will say good morning and then they go, oh, that's not loud enough. I never like to do that. I think your good morning and happy Sabbath was perfect. Perfection. We're here. This week went, am I the only one? I was talking with those who participated in the program this morning right backstage and I was saying, I walked into the office Monday morning to work on my day off to get ready for elders and board meeting, and before I knew it, I'm standing here with you, snap, and I'm in this room, and I'm looking at them, and they're looking at me, and I'm standing like a guy in the Mission Impossible action film, you know, I'm like, you know, he just arrived, and he's acting like he knows what's going on, but in reality, you know that he has no idea what's going on. Right? Because if you've actually been paying attention, life has been coming at him at a crazy pace. And all kinds of things have attempted to destroy him in the process of him completing the mission impossible. And so today I walked into the meeting room just before coming out here for the service, looking like someone who knows what they're doing, dressed in my suit and tie, ready for mission impossible, having no idea what's going on. And you might say to yourself, that's not good news if our pastor doesn't know what's going on, because we have been feeling like the life we are living is mission impossible, and it's coming at us so fast, right, that we started the week, we had all of these things we were going to get done, we made a list, we checked it twice, and then you're standing here, Sabbath morning, and I get up and say, good morning and happy Sabbath, church congregation. And you're like, we made it. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I can. That good morning and happy Sabbath was exactly how I was feeling. Thank you. There is nothing wrong with it. And I don't want you to show up and put on your Sabbath suit and tie and be like, all is well. We could say, we could add to that, that ends well, right? But we're not there yet, are we? We're still in the middle of Mission Impossible. We're still living weeks, and every week that goes by in our life, snap, snap, snap. And the list of things that you need to get done, especially for people who are in college, continues to grow. That special music was absolutely amazing, wasn't it? You have permission to come and play anytime you would like. Loved it. And also, wasn't it amazing? Now, you haven't yet heard my message, but I just want to tell you something. From the welcome, to the welcome song, to the praise songs we sing, to the prayers, to the offerings, every word that was spoken from this pulpit, all morning long, I have conspired with them not. You will accuse me that I have called them on the phone, and I'm like, you know, when you get up there and you give the offering call, I need you to make mention of the final moments of Earth's history and the money that we will need to complete. Now, I didn't, I didn't do any of that. I didn't, like, tell people what to do or say. And there's a reason why I don't do this, okay? It's because I need to know that God is still on the throne just as much as you do. And when I delegate to people the duties for getting the special music or for taking care of the audiovisual and the sound or for uh, going and doing Bible studies with, or whatever, when I set them to the work that God has given them to do, I set them to the work and I forget about it. I let them do the work that God has called them to do, 
because when I come to church on Sabbath morning and when the entire worship service comes together and we've done all of the things that we've needed to do during the week and snap, here we are together and the pastor's standing up saying, good morning and happy Sabbath, everyone, and you guys all reply, Right, and so, and then in that moment, all of you are going through what I'm going through. I'm standing here in a suit and tie being like, I sure hope that the people on YouTube and Facebook, while they're watching me preach this sermon, think that I know what's going on. But you know, the truth of the matter is, is none of us, none of us, none of us feel qualified for the mission impossible of living a life in this world that is not our home at any moment in it. Can we just get honest together today? I'll go first. I'm going to raise my hand, and if you're feeling what I'm saying right now in this life that you've been living, this mission impossible of living in a world that is not your home, have you ever felt not qualified for the mission? Okay, there's a few of you. I feel better now. Thank you. Wow. I, I was going out on a limb there. I was afraid that I'd be at the front of the church raising my hand like I was singing the praise song right on the front row, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, okay, well, awkward moment. It was just me. I will try to um, be, um, Sandra, I will get that newsletter article written sooner this time. <laughs> Everybody else has it together. It's just me that feels like I'm falling apart and doesn't know what's going on. Oh, my. And that's not it. So <clears throat> I have this little book I carry in my pocket. I wasn't, talking, I wasn't planning on talking about the book, but I was sitting on the front row fiddling through the book and making notes while everything was going on, and I was being amazed how the Holy Spirit had spoken through every person the entire sermon before I even... I, I could almost not preach. Can anyone say, yeah, amen? Does anyone? Okay. We could go home. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, praise God. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Okay. Hold on. You know Pastor Farr is not going to come to church and not preach. Don't take it that far. Okay. All right. That's, that's not going to happen. But I have this little notebook that I keep in my pocket that I have had since June 1 of the year that I arrived here in Pendleton. 2021. What year is it anyway? Is it 2020 still? Is it 2022? Is it a repeat of... Okay, we don't even know where... What year is it? Right, who knows? All right. In this book... On the front page, there are only six items in the entire time I have been here. Six items. That's all. Six things that I have written in the book. And today, on the second page, I added several more as the Holy Spirit was talking to me about my sermon and saying, Stephen, I think you should probably say and do this rather than what you have written down. Okay. But up until now, six things, and I want to tell you what those things are. In fact, it's actually more than six things, but there's only six numbers with names next to them. Members in this community that are on my constant prayer watch and prayer list because of things that they are going through, which many of us are unaware of. Prayers. For constant struggles in this mission impossible that we're facing that are bigger than anything that I've ever had to face in my life. Because friends, as we go on this mission impossible, I think all of us are probably asking the question, Jesus, are you ready to come yet? You could come today. It's the Sabbath. We would, we would, we would welcome that, right? But then on the other hand, 
we kind of have another feeling about it, right? Maybe we have this question in our minds, why not us? Why couldn't it be our generation that gets to see Jesus come? Why couldn't it be us that finished preaching the gospel of the kingdom into all the world? Why couldn't it be us that get to do the great works that Jesus did and greater works than these? Why not us? Has anyone ever asked that question? Right? But then on the other side of that, I think that there's another question that creeps into the back of our mind because we have people in our lives People in our lives that we say, why not us? Jesus, please come. Look at these sick and suffering people that we're praying for, that we wish. Why don't you just, you could just come. We could wrap this thing up. But then we also have people in our lives where we actually ask the question, why not us? And we halt, we pause, and we go, maybe not yet, Lord. Could you hold on just a little? I need you. Could you just tarry a little? Could you just take a little bit longer in that day of atonement that you're doing in the sanctuary in heaven right now? Because there's people in our life that we're praying for that we hope will give their hearts to Jesus before Jesus comes. And so on the one hand, we say, why not us? Why couldn't we just finish the work? Why can't we just get it done? Why can't this mission impossible come to an end? Why do I have to do another week that feels like... And then it's over, and then I've got a longer list of things that I feel like I need to do than I did before, and the list keeps growing throughout all of your life, and it never gets shorter, it only gets longer, and it seems like you're checking things off the list faster and working harder. And as you get older, then you start feeling like what you used to be able to do, you can't do anymore. And you just start getting tired. You start getting tired. I've had people uh, come to my office and visit me this week. I always love it when people come and see me and they work together with me to serve this community. But there has been a prevailing kind of a theme in what people are saying to me. And I want to talk about this for a moment. I wasn't planning on doing it, but I think it's important for me to be transparent with all of you here. Okay? People keep saying, Pastor Farr, we're worried about you. Right? It's interesting. I was talking to a friend this morning, and they said to me, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh, and it was the thing that actually kept him from becoming proud. So that in the process of God doing the work that he wanted to do through him, that Paul never would be tempted to think that it was him. I've learned something over the course of my life. When I was 12 years old, my parents divorced. And from that point, I have been struggling and fighting to survive. Struggling and fighting to fit in at school because my clothes weren't the right ones. Struggling and fighting against the depression of the fact that my dad was gone and I couldn't figure out why he wouldn't come home. Getting bullied and picked on and not having enough money, having to have a job from the time I was 12 years old just so that I could afford to put on the clothes that would make them stop beating me up at school. Some people know what this is like. It's either fit in or get out, right? And so life in this world isn't always friendly. Life in this world is a struggle. And at different phases and seasons of our life, we have different struggles. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul gets up and he says, hey, you know what? I could boast to you guys about all of the things that God has shown me in vision. I could boast to you guys about all of the things that I've written. I could boast to you guys about all the work that I've done, but I don't want to talk about that. 
No, 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 no. I don't want to talk about, I don't want to boast about the things that God has done. I want to boast about the infirmities, the trials, and the struggles that I'm going through that have always reminded me that what I'm doing that is of value is empowered by God alone. <laughs> I'm not here preaching the gospel of the kingdom in all the world because I am some very qualified theology student from Walla Walla University who's also received a master's degree from Andrews University. That is not what makes it possible for me to stand before you and preach the gospel. I could get those degrees and stand before you and I would be totally unequipped, unprepared, unable, weak, with infirmities in my body, just like the people who are on my little list that I've had since I started here. And if I didn't have God's power and the Holy Spirit helping me stand here and preach the gospel of the kingdom, I would fail before you right now. It's impossible for me. And so I want to say this, and I'm telling you this, because I appreciate it when church members say, I'm praying for you and I'm worried about you. You look like you're stressed, you're tired, your hours are long. We're worried, we want you to pace yourself, we want you to take care of yourself. We would like you to stick around and preach the gospel for a long time, okay? But I want to tell you something. First of all, Pastor Farr is not going to die, okay? However, Pastor Farr does have a thorn in the flesh, okay? And I'm going to tell you what it is. In my C6, in my neck, I have stenosis. Stenosis is when the inside of the bone starts to narrow, and the nerve that runs through the inside of the bone to protect it from being agitated starts getting squeezed. And that creates all kinds of neurological issues and symptoms in your body that seem like serious life-ending events. But they're not. And I also want to tell you that even though I have this infirmity in my body and I'm going through this struggle, this is nothing new to me because while I was at Andrews University finishing my master's degree, Running the 2019 Chicago Marathon, I tore labrums in both of my hips and still finished the final six miles of the race after doing so, in incredible excruciating pain. You know why I finished that race? I was running it for my grandfather who had lost the battle to Alzheimer's disease and died the previous year. And when they tried to pull me out of the race because my labrums had been torn because of hip impingements and I was in pain, and at the time I didn't even know why I was in pain, I looked at them and I said, don't touch me. I've run 21 and a half miles of this race. I only have five and a half to go. I know exactly where I'm at. I know what time it is. I know what my name is, and I know what my birthday is. I am getting up, and I am going to walk to the finish line if I have to, because I am not running this race for me, but instead I am running this race for Jesus, and I'm running this race for everyone else who isn't able to run it anymore. And perhaps by this point in what I'm telling you, you can pick up what I'm putting down. Friends, my job is not an easy job. Neither are any of yours. All of us have stresses and worries that are piling up daily. All of us are tired. All of us wish Jesus would come on the one hand, and on the other hand, we wish he would wait and not come and tell the people that we love are ready for his coming. But I've got something to tell you. I am not upset about the current trial that I'm going through. In fact, just this morning, 
as the songs were playing and the children were singing, I was praising God for the fact that he allows me to go through trials in my life because as I go through trials in my life, they keep reminding me, this world is not my home. The mission that God has given me is impossible. If I try to do it in my own strength, my weaknesses are for my own benefit because it's in my weakness and in my infirmities that Christ's strength is made perfect. Can I get an amen for that? And how many of you feel encouraged? Because you're tired too. You're feeling like it's mission impossible too. And what is that mission? Well, the Bible tells us, doesn't it? And when Paul was pleading in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and he was asking God, he says, hey, concerning the thorn in my flesh, which he did not name, people argue all the time over what this was. Some people say it was a spiritual attack. Some people say he was going blind. Who knows what Paul's issue was, but guess what? Paul had issues, and so do we. Anyone and everyone who's ever decided to pick up their cross and follow Jesus has issues, and I've got news for you. Those of us who have decided to pick up our cross and follow Jesus actually gain a benefit from those issues, and if we let Satan discourage us and we quit following Jesus, then everything we're suffering is for nothing. Right? So we're all going to suffer. The question is, will we give in to the temptation to just lay down and die and let the devil defeat us? Or will we keep marching forward in the banner with our eyes on Jesus saying, hey, you know what, Jesus? <laughs> I pleaded with you several times to take some of my trials and infirmities away. You haven't done it, but you know what? In the face of those trials and infirmities, I'm going to praise you anyway and preach your gospel anyway because I haven't run 21 and a half miles of the race to give up before crossing the finish line. I haven't heard you say that you've gone to prepare a place for me in heaven, a kingdom which is more amazing than anything I could ever imagine to quit just before I get there. I'm not giving up. Your grace is sufficient for me. Your power works through my infirmities, through the thorn in my flesh, and through my weaknesses. You you are revealed to the world. And friends, the reason why I tell you that I'm going through struggles just like you is because I want you to know that the only reason that I'm capable of doing what God has called me to do is not because of my education. It's not because of the amount of money I have in my bank account. It is not my good looks or the amount of hair that I have on my head. Okay, none of those things are going to get me there. My money won't do it. My education won't do it. My, 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 the wisdom that I have between these two ears that I can still remember from college, many of it, you know, you go to college and you read the books. Come on, college students, right? Could you, could you get up and teach the first class that you ever had freshman year to the Right. Okay, friends. And neither can I. Don't worry. I don't even remember the classes I had freshman year. I was too busy working two jobs and just hoping that I would write the right answers on the test. And if I didn't know the right answers, you can always put Jesus there for like a half pity point. Right. Yeah, and that's what we all went through. Okay. So, we all have a mission. And the mission is impossible. And if you're feeling like it's impossible, and you have thorns in your flesh, and you have infirmities in your life, and you have sicknesses which make you feel like you can't take another step forward if you are going through trials in your life that is just making you feel like, God, you need to help me because what you've called me to do is impossible. You're in the right place. This is exactly where God wants you. I'm sorry, I hate to tell you. You'd love me to say, oh, that's terrible. Let me give you one scripture that will solve all your problems. 
New, your problems are for your benefit because they keep you dependent on the Lord so that you can see Jesus lifted up in your life. And through Jesus being lifted up in your life, those around you that you're saying, you know, hey, Lord, could you just wait a little bit long? I'm just, I got a few people that I'm praying. You know, if you could just tarry a few. Those people, when they see you focus on Jesus, when they see you being used by God to reach the people who are ripe, the harvest that is ready. Ooh, I heard that in the kid's song. They said, oh, the harvest is so ripe. Oh, man, the grain is budding whiter than snow. We see it. Uh-huh. All the farmers in the audience know what this is about. You see a beautiful harvest. You see that grain on the end of the stock, and you go, wow, is it ever ripe this year? It's ready. We got to get out there. It's time to harvest. And we all know that there are many people in this world that are crying out to Jesus right now. The harvest is ripe. But friends, if we keep on focusing on the people who aren't ready yet, if we keep trying to get the people who are not ready to give their lives to Jesus yet, while ignoring the people who are ripe for the harvest, we won't get to have Jesus lifted up in our life to actually, for those to witness the harvest. We need to start asking God to make us willing to reach the people who are ready right now. Why? Because in the process of Jesus being lifted up in your life through your weakness, right? Those who are not yet ready, the ones that you're saying, hey, Lord, could you just wait until they give their life to Jesus and they're ready? Those people witness that even though you're going through the same trials and struggles that they are in this mission impossible called life, that God is using you and that Jesus' strength is being poured out through you to do the mission. And when they see that miracle, which is the greatest miracle that can ever happen of people giving their lives to Jesus and passing from death passing from the sins which lead to death into the forgiveness of sin, which is a gift from God, into eternal life. When people witness people who moments before had broken lives, now proclaiming with joy the glory of the Lord in his eternal kingdom, when they see the harvest, then the fruit that's not ripe yet starts to ripen. Because, friends, if you want the tree, if you want the fruit on the tree that's not ripe yet to ripen, Pick the ripe fruit. Right, farmers? Right? Pick the ripe fruit, the stuff that's ready. Pick that. Why? Because then the tree can give more attention to the fruit that's not ripe yet. Ah. And when you pick the ripe fruit, then you have more workers in the field to help you pick the fruit when it's ripe. Okay. So we've been chosen for a mission, and if you turn in your Bible to Matthew 28, 18 to 20, you see the mission, don't you? Matthew 28, 18 to 20, say amen when you're there, all of you on YouTube and Facebook, amen. (laughs) I'm going to trust you that you looked it up on your iPhone, your Android, your laptop, your Mac, and I don't care what technology you use, I want you to know something, God loves you. All right, as an aside. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and it says, are we ready? And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Friend, is that good news? Jesus comes to the disciples, and he starts off by letting them know something. There's a reason why he starts with this statement. He says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Why would Jesus say that at the top of his statement? Because he wants the disciples to know that the mission he's about to send them on, he has the authority the resources, and the power for them to complete it. 
they don't. Because if Jesus has all authority, how much authority does the disciples have on their own? Ah, now you're picking up what I'm putting down. And then he says, go therefore. He says, all authority has been given to me. Go therefore and wait what? Does he say make disciples for yourselves? Get people to follow you? No, 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 no. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the what? The name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then what? What are we supposed to do? Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. All right, we've been given a mission. Friends, how many of you feel intimidated by this mission? You got it cornered, okay. Most of the church today is saying, I'm not intimidated by this mission at all, I've got it. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is, this is the part that scares me, being that I only graduated from college nine, ten months ago, um, is when he says, go and teach everything that I taught you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. What was that you, um, <clears throat> see, Lord, when you, were, when you were trying to, you know, when you were doing the teaching and the preaching and the parables and things, we were missing that because we were fighting over who was the greatest in the kingdom. And so could you, is there like an audible that I can download off of Amazon so that I can like re-listen? Because we didn't even know that you were going to Calvary's tree because we were too busy thinking you were going to, yeah, this is embarrassing. So like when we're supposed to teach everything, does that mean like all of it or just the parts that we heard? And do you want us to teach our interpretation of what we heard or do we want... Should we actually teach what you were, I'm really, ooh, this isn't good. Because if I were one of the disciples, and he's like, uh, by the way, I'm leaving now, and the job is yours, I'd be like, no, 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 we, we think that you, you, we actually think that you do a good job now, and you, you could stay. Like, earlier, I know we misbehaved. I'm sorry, but don't leave us. Please, because, because now we know that we can't do the mission now that you're leaving. Before, we thought we could, and we were arguing over who was the greatest. But now that you're going, we kind of get that the thing that you've asked us to do is impossible for us. Okay, well, that's not good news. So we've been given a promise, friends. John 14, let's go to another gospel, because Matthew 28 has us at a place where we're saying, oh boy, we've been given a big job, and I don't know if I can do that. John 14 Verses 1 through 4 is where I want to start, and then we're going to go on to 5 and 6. Here we go. Say amen when you're there. All right, for those of you on the live stream, please open your Bibles because, hey, I may just preach something that's not in the Bible, and you wouldn't know it if you're not looking. All right. John 14, 1 through 4. Let not your heart be troubled. Friends, let's say that together. Let not your heart be troubled. Ooh, we could just... What do you mean, let not your heart be troubled? I mean, we could say amen and just believe Jesus that we shouldn't be troubled. He's like, hey, you know what? You're going through some of those infirmities and the thorn in the flesh. My grace is sufficient for you. Good luck. And you may feel like, Lord, what do you mean, let not my heart be troubled? My problems are huge. My heart is troubled. Okay, but he says, why are we not troubled, though? He says, don't be troubled because you believe in me. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know the way. Is that good news? Yeah. Friends, do we know the way to where Jesus went? 
let me ask, could, could one of you please, um, from the Pendleton Adventist Church, could you just go to Google Maps and see if we can get some directions? And, um, you know, because I think it's probably a long journey, we should get started. Right, no, okay, so, yeah, and this is the answer in five and six that the disciple gives. Jesus gives them this great news. He's like, hey, you know what? Don't worry about anything. I'm going to prepare a place for you, and you guys know the way there. And they're like, hold on a minute. Verse five and six, let's see how they respond. Thomas said to him, Thomas speaks up. Who, who speaks up? Okay, and what's Thomas's nickname? Oh, we all, Tom, we all know Thomas's nickname because usually when Thomas speaks up, when he's mentioned and it was him speaking, he usually says something, but, but Jesus, what about this or that? And this is why your plan won't work. And then, uh, right? Okay, and here, he doesn't say that though. Here he says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? In other words, wait a minute, Jesus. Oh, hold on. You're saying that you're going someplace, and by the way, none of us have iPhones or Androids, and we definitely don't have the directions to where you're going because we don't know what you're talking about because earlier we weren't paying attention because we were too busy arguing over, okay. Right? This is a miserable situation that they're in. And what is the reply? Jesus says to him, I love this because instead of taking the time to be like, seriously, were you listening? He doesn't do that, does he? No, 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 no. This is what I love about Jesus. He always makes it very simple and straight to the point. He says, I don't know. Wait a minute, Lord. We don't know where you're going and we don't even know how to get there. And he goes, okay, just so you know, I am the way. I am the way. And that makes it so much easier, doesn't it? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and guess what else he is? Besides being the way, besides being the truth, he's also the life. You know what, guys? I can be going through health issues, right? And I can walk into rooms with people who are going through serious health issues to where it seems as their body is going to fail. And I can look them in the face. And the reason why I can say, listen, you know what? This isn't fun. This feels like mission impossible. It feels like Satan's winning. But don't worry. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't worry. Because you know what? We serve a king who's gone to a place to prepare a place for you and me. And guess what? We all know the way there. And that's good news. Because someday... My life in this world will come to an end. Someday, if Jesus doesn't come first, all of us are going to sleep. All of us will have a doctor at some time say, okay, they're gone. But we don't have to worry about that. And the reason we don't have to worry is because Jesus said, don't worry. I'm coming back and I'm, I'm going up there to take the time to make a place for all of you. And by the way, the way there is me. Jesus says, you know the way. It's me, and I'm the truth, and I'm the life too. Everything you need, you can find in me. You don't have to look anywhere else. You don't have to be worried anymore. You don't have to be troubled over all of the stuff that's going on in your life. And guess what? I've got good news for you. That long list of stuff that you have to do that you can't ever seem to get done, okay? Jesus says, come unto me, you who are weak. Give me your list, and I'll give you my list. It's very short. It's me. 
My yoke is easy and my burden is light because it's come to me because I've got the way, I've got the truth, I've got the life, I've given you a mission impossible, and the reason I did is so you would feel so weak and you would actually see your true condition is that you were incapable of doing anything before you realized it. And the reason I did it is so that you would find the way, the truth, life, and life more abundantly. And friends, can I just say something right here? Let me just say it's good news that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and life more abundantly because I want to tell you that even in the face of our trials and the thorns in our flesh, the financial struggles, the relationship issues, the health issues, all of the things that we have on our, for all of us that are still very young and very healthy and have no problems at all in our life with health issues, we have lists so long of things to do that it drives us mad every week. We never get it done. We always feel frustrated. We always feel incapable of the mission that God has given us. We don't even feel like we have time for it. <laughs> what do you mean, preach the gospel of the kingdom and all the world as a witness to all the nations? I'm trying to pay rent. I'm trying to make sure I can put groceries on my table. I'm trying to make sure that I can get that COVID negative test so that I can go back to work, right? What do you mean, preach your gospel? What do you mean, be about you? But what do you mean your kingdom is coming and your will is being done? We don't feel like that's reality. And Jesus says, don't let your heart be troubled. I am the way, I am the truth in my life. Come to me, all who are weak. Is there anyone feeling weak in here today? Anyone feeling heavy laden in here today? Guess what? Good news. Jesus has a message for you. Come unto me, all who are weak and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Give me your burden. I will put my yoke upon you, which is an easy one, because if I give you work to do, I show you the way, I give you the truth, and I give you the life and the power and the authority to do what I've asked you to do. Jesus doesn't call us on a mission that he doesn't have the power and the authority to give us to complete. And it's in that moment that we come to the end of ourselves that we're actually finally ready for the mission. And so Jesus is just waiting. We're saying, why not us? Why, Jesus, why don't you come? And you know what Jesus is doing? He's saying, I've given you a mission, and I'm waiting. And I'm not waiting in spite of you. It's a lot of us go, well, Jesus has delayed his coming because we didn't work hard enough. Friends, can I please dispel that myth? That's not true. That's not God. How can you say that God is love and then say, well, Jesus is delaying his coming because you didn't do good enough? You didn't perform. It's all on you and you didn't do enough yet and so God is not coming for you. He's delaying. Please stop that. That's not happening. No, 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 no. Jesus is delaying because he is leaving more time for the people you love to say yes to him because he's the way to eternal life. His waiting is not in spite of you. It's because he loves you. He's tarrying longer because there's still seats at the wedding feast and he's already gone to the Jews and he's already gone to the Gentiles and the Greeks and the Romans. Those generations have passed off the scene. And he's still saying, hey, could you go back to the highways and byways one more time and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom? Tell them I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and life more abundantly right now in this world because I want them to come home. 
There's seats at the table, seats for the people that you love that you're praying for that haven't said yes. I'm not waiting because I'm mad at you or because I want you to work harder. I'm waiting for you to lay down your life, surrender your weakness and your troubles to me so that I can fill you with the authority and the power and I can pour out the Holy Spirit in you so that Jesus can be lifted up in your life so that the people you love can say yes to him so that when you get to heaven, you're not crying because they're not there, but instead rejoicing. That's why Jesus is waiting. It's not a punishment. It's not because you didn't work hard enough. It's because he wants you to quit trying to work to fulfill everything he's asked of you and turn to the one who has all authority, power, and love that he can pour out through you so that people can see him because only he can give eternal life only by seeing him. And I got news for you. Did you know what? There is no preacher. There is no pastor. There is no elder. There is no deacon or deaconess. There is no holy person of God in any community who has ever been able to boast truthfully that they were the ones that won someone for Jesus. You know why? Because it is the Holy Spirit of God who reveals Jesus Christ to people and they believe. And it is only when we quit thinking we're great and fighting over who's the greatest and let Jesus, who is the one who has the authority to reveal himself to people, who is the only way to eternal life, who is all of the truth that we forgot because we were too busy paying attention to how to survive the trials in this world, and who is life and life more abundantly, when you let that Jesus live in your heart and in your mind and be lifted up in your life, then people see Jesus. And it's not because you're great. It's because he's great. So we can just solve that debate. There isn't anybody greater. And guess what? It's good news because it means that there isn't anyone sitting here today who has sinned so much or been broken so much that the king who has all authority and power can't bridge the gap for you. We don't have to worry about trying to get better so we can get there anymore. We can just say, Jesus, I'm never going to be able to do it. I'm tired. The list is getting longer. The days are going faster and things are falling apart and, I'm, and I can't. And I just want to stop now. And he goes, good, finally. Now I can use you. Because you're finally broken enough and you see it. Okay. So when we read the New Testament example of the disciples' unbelief, it's easy to think to ourselves, what is wrong with these guys? Have any of you ever felt that way? It's like, you guys, you're with Jesus. He's right there, and you saw him feed 5,000, and you saw him feed 4,000, and you saw him heal, the, and you saw, and you saw, and you saw. And you're like the ancestors of the people who he led out of the land of Egypt and parted the water, and you've seen all the miracles. What are you guys doing? And so we get frustrated with them, don't, don't we? And we know that throughout all of time, even dating back to the Old Testament, we can see examples of people doubting God. Okay, so in John 1, 1 through 4, I just told you that Jesus went to prepare a place for you. So does Jesus have a promised land for us? He had a promised land for the disciples, or for the uh, children of Israel, didn't he? Leviticus chapter 13. If you think it's just the disciples following Jesus that are total wrecks, let's go way back in time. And let's look at Numbers 13. We know the story. If you go there and you look at it, you're going to say, oh yeah, I know this story. 
Anyone ever hear about the spies that were sent into the land of Canaan to spy out the land that God had promised the Israelites would go into? Yes, 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 yes. Okay, how many of you have heard of it? All right, good. How many of you on the live stream? Okay, never mind. Hey, Devin, could you see if anyone's waving the hand on the live stream? Okay, thank you. Yeah, if they know. I hope they know the story because I want to highlight just part of it. Because the Lord spoke to Moses and said, hey, I want you to send 12 spies into the land, right? So they're going to go into the promised land and they're going to look. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into the land and I want you to see if the land is as amazing as God promised. I want you to be of good cheer no matter what. And I want you to bring back the food in the land to show the people so that they will be encouraged to take the land that God has promised to give them, right? So the spies go into the land and they find amazing things, right? They find fruit they find a harvest that we've never seen in Pendleton, Oregon, okay? They're bringing back grapes the size of watermelons, and they're like, dude, these are grapealicious. Better than the bubblicious bubblegum, grape-flavored stuff that I used to chew. This is wonderful. This isn't anything like that manna in the wilderness. And the water here, way better than the water out of the rock. Right, okay, because it's like wilderness water. I mean, come on, guys, quit complaining. We did our best, right? We got something flowing for you to drink. Because as you guys know, if you study the Israelites, you could give them a meal and water in the middle of a wilderness where there was no food and water and they would still complain. And they would forget like five minutes later that God did it for them and they were like, you know, Moses has been on the mountain too long getting God's law, so let's build a golden calf and worship it. And by the way, let's claim that the golden calf is the thing that took us out of the land of Egypt and delivered us from the house of slavery. This is fun. We're all dancing around a golden calf we just made and it's God. Oh. Okay, and so now the spies come back, right? I'm going to read to you the account of the spies coming back. Leviticus 13, 26, here we go. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them that all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They told him and said, we went to the land where you sent it. It truly flows with milk and honey, just like God said, and this fruit... <laughs> this food is good. Nevertheless, oh, wait a minute, but, see, here's the thing. God promised, they went and saw, the promise is true. They go, the promise is true, but. How many of us have done that in our lifetime? Yes, God, your promise is true, but. Have you seen this medical bill? Yes, God, the promise is true, but have you dealt with my health issues? Yes, God, the promise is true, but are you going through the relationship struggles that I'm dealing with? Yes, God, the promise is true, but. But, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there and the Amalekites dwell in the land, and the, southern, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. And then Caleb suddenly comes out and he says, Will you guys please be quiet? Why are you saying all of these negative things? We were sent into the land to spy it out to find out if God's promise was true. We did see that it was true. And all you're doing is talking about all of the reasons we can't go on the mission impossible to go get the milk and the honey and the grapes. And by the way, I'm hungry. We've been missing lunch for 40 years in the wilderness. It's time to go into the land. And so Caleb is saying, and Joshua is saying, why not us? God promised. We saw that his promise is true. He said that he'd drive the people out before us. 
All we have to do now, after 40 years in the wilderness, and by the way, friends, did you know that if the Israelites had been ready for the promised land, it would have taken them 12 days' journey to get to the promised land? 12 days. They were there for 40 years. You know why? Because Jesus was having mercy on them because they were not ready for the promise yet. And he was hoping that after all of the miracles in the wilderness, that the people would finally be ready if they sent spies into the land. Why did, Jesus send, why did the Lord come to Moses and say, send spies into the land? He was hoping if the spies came back with a good report, the people would actually believe that they could go in because they were still suffering from the slavery of Egypt in their minds. They were still thinking, hey, it took us 40 years. A 12-day journey took us 40 years to arrive. Let's go back. And you actually see that in the story. They go, oh, no. All night long, they cried and complained against the Lord, and they said, I have an idea. Let's stone Moses and Aaron so we don't have to go in there because they brought us here to die. Let's go back to Egypt. <laughs> They're so much nicer to us there. They only whip us, and then they give us a little bit of you know, cucumber and things, and that's very nice. We could go back to that. Right? It's so scary in there. We can't go. We can't even see the milk and honey because the people are big and you know, weird, and they're taller than me. And none of them are bald. They all have full locks of hair, so they're probably strong too. Right? This is what the people do. It's miserable. And the people who want to go in, they say, why not us? It's time. We're here. We made it. <laughs> 40 years. It should have taken 12 days, but we're here. Let's not talk about that. Let's not have another board meeting and argue about it. Let's just go in. Isn't it common sense? The milk and honey and the food and everything God had promised is right there. And he said that he would drive the people out before, so please, let's just go in. Oh, but it's too late. The camp is already discouraged. Everybody's focusing on all of the reasons why the mission isn't possible. And they're saying things to themselves like, well, I told you nothing great would ever happen in Pendleton, Oregon. I mean, I, I, in, the, in, the, in the wilderness. Sorry, tongue, tongue slip. The pastor's looking tired. He's getting kind of sick. He might die. Oh, my. Nothing good will ever happen in Pendleton. Uh, Maybe we should just stone him and put him out of his misery. His name is Stephen, after all. Okay, I'm sorry. I should... All right. Okay. However, what happens? The unbelief spread about in the camp causes the Lord to say, well, I guess after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, this generation isn't ready for the promise that I've given you, and so now I have to put a punishment upon you. Do you think God was happy to send them back into the wilderness for 40 more years? Look at Joshua 5.6. Isn't it Joshua? Yeah, Joshua 5.6. So after we go through this entire story in Leviticus 13 and 14, God says, you know what? This entire generation of people are going to have to go back into the wilderness and die Joshua and Caleb I'm going to keep alive so that they can see the promised land. And I'm even going to use Joshua to be part of actually driving the people out before the Israelites to take the promised land. But everyone in this generation that came out of Egypt that I did all of the miracles for has to go back into the wilderness for 40 years until this generation dies because I made the promise to them. I gave them the promise. I promised them I would drive the people out. They saw that the promise was true. They didn't believe it. And now they want to kill the prophets of God who brought them here. And so I have to send them back to the wilderness for 40 more years. So then, here's the most mind-blowing part. The leaders come back out and say, okay, guys, you've told us that we can't take the land, and so now the Lord has said that he will not drive the people out before you, and we have to go back into the wilderness, and we have to wait until this entire generation dies, 
and then the next generation gets to go into the promised land. Sorry. And then what do the people do? They don't, we don't want to go back in the wilderness for 40 more years. Let's run into the land and go fight the war against these people and let's go and take the land in our own strength. God has now told us that he's not taking us into the land anymore and giving it to us. And we were afraid of the giants when the Lord was telling us that he would do the fighting for us, but I've got a good idea. Now that the Lord has told us that we can't have the land, let's go in there in our own strength and fight the people because we can take them. And what happens? Total massacre, and then the people who actually have the sense to flee and run away end up for 40 years in the wilderness. And we know, Joshua 5, 6, you're looking at it. 40 years later, the children of Israel finally get to come to the promised land. And only Joshua and Caleb, as the Lord said, got to go into the promised land. Okay, so where am I going with this? We have been given a mission, and I have been preaching about it in Matthew 24, right? What verses? Can anyone tell me? Matthew 24, 12, 24, 12, 13, and 14, I have preached in every single sermon for, for eight, nine months. Never once have I not preached it. And people have said, Pastor Farr, you keep preaching the same sermon. And I say, yes, that's true. That's what I've been doing. I've been preaching the same sermon. And why am I still preaching the same sermon? It's not because you don't get it. It's because this is the time we're living in, friends. Because the disciples come to Jesus and they say, hey, what will the end times be like? When will the end come? And Jesus tells them. And then he says, however, as bad as it gets, what? In verse 12, because lawlessness abounds, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And what? And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Does it say might be preached? No, 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 no. It says will be preached into all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. And I want to add another verse that we've never talked about before. Because as you'll notice in every sermon, I always add one or two more verses to help you to understand why I keep going to this. It says in Matthew 24, verse 22, let's look at 22. Everybody on the live stream, if you've heard nothing in this entire sermon at all to this moment, I preached everything I've said to this point for this. Pay attention. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elder's sake, those days will be shortened. Did you hear what I just said? So Matthew 24 says, in the end, time of trouble will come such as no one has seen, and if God does not shorten that time, hey, by the way, if I don't shorten that time and come, <laughs> everyone will be dead. That's how bad it's going to be. It's going to be so bad. If I don't stop the madness and come, if I don't stop the lawlessness that has caused the hearts of men and women to grow so cold that everybody hates each other, there's wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and problems, and there's no more food, and everyone's, wah. Have you had any of those people? Wah. Yeah, we've had that. It's really discouraging. You feel like going wah back, right? <laughs> but you're like, no, Lord. No, Lord. <laughs> it's going to be fine. I'm, I'm doing great. It's not funny at all. Friends, how much longer do you think he's going to wait? And who does he shorten the days for? Did you hear that? He shortens the days for the elders. 
Who is he shortening the days for? He shortened them for Joshua and Caleb. See? There's a lot of Joshua's and Caleb's sitting in this room that have been waiting a long time, that have faithfully served the Lord right here in Pendleton and Pilot Rock for many, many years. I want to tell you something that Jesus wants to say to help give your heart hope today. He says, hey, guess what? If I don't shorten the end, no one's going to make it. But you know what? For your sake, I'm going to come. I'm going to come. Right when you think you can't take no more and all the madness is going on and you're thinking to yourself, I'm not even going to make it till Jesus comes. And then he says, like a thief in the night, boom, I'm going to come. Guess what? If I don't shorten the time of trouble, none of you will make it. But guess what? For the elders' sake, for the faithful's sake, for the people who went through the wilderness 40 more years because we couldn't go in on the last generation when they said, why not us? Because they were saying the same thing. I got news for you. World War I and World War II were bad. The Great Depression, bad. 9-11, not pretty. The wars in Afghan and Iraq, which were largely called conflicts, not fun for anyone who was there. What's going on in Russia and Ukraine? Not a good time. COVID-19, not a good time. None of this stuff is a good time. Members right here in Pendleton and Pilot Rock suffering strokes and getting cancer and having heart attacks. and all, None of this is a good time. We've been saying, why not us, for a long time. We've been given a mission, and God is asking a question. Are you ready? Because I'm waiting for you to be ready because I love you. Okay, so I want to sum it up with this. You guys, why not us? I see a world full of people running around saying, why not me, right? Me, 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 me. Is it my turn yet? And God's message, God's message, God's question for you is not why not me, but the message that God wants me to say to you is why not you? Why not us? Why not now? Send me, Lord. The children were up here singing it. Send me, Lord. The harvest is ripe. I can see it. I'm ready. Let's go. And you know what? Jesus, John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 3, when did he come? He came into the world before Jesus, right? And he came to prepare the way for Jesus, and what was his message? Does anyone know what John the Baptist's message was? It was very simple. Repent, be baptized for the remissions of sin, to what? To prepare the way for who? Okay, so John the Baptist came, and he preached repent, right? He said, repent, be baptized, right? Be washed for the remission of sin. And then he said, and there's one coming after me who is going to baptize you also. Let me ask you a question. What kind of baptism was Jesus going to baptize us with? The Holy Spirit. And he was going to, first of all, though, he was going to baptize us. He was going to say the same message. And if you actually look in your Bible, if you look for yourselves, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to take the time to do it because we don't got time for that. But if you look at Matthew Chapter 3, 1 through 3, you see the message that John the Baptist preached. And if you go to verse 11, you see the message that Jesus preached after John's ministry ended. What did Jesus preach? Wait, what did, he, what did he preach? It's real simple. It's so simple. Who said it? Matthew 3, 11. 
Repent. Sit. Same message. He said, hey, you guys, repent. And then what did he say? And this is the part that I really want you to, don't miss this. Repent for the kingdom of heaven will be at hand sometime in the future? Is going to come later? No, 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 no. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, hey, guys, guess what? The kingdom, it's standing in front of you. I'm the cornerstone, and you are the stones that are going to be built on me. The kingdom is you. Message is the same. And he says, oh, and by the way, John was right, because I came not to just ask you to repent and to baptize you and to ask you to turn from the world towards me, but I actually came to also go to the cross and die after being given all power and authority so that I would have the right to give you the power and authority to be part of my mission so that you can go invite all of your friends to be in my kingdom too. You see, the reason, because did Jesus, did Jesus besides dying on the cross for our sins need to do, did he need to include us in the mission at all? Did he need to wait any longer? I mean, he'd already done everything. Didn't he say it was finished so he could come now? He could just come. He could have just been like, oh, okay, done. How many of you are glad that he allowed you to come into the world so that you can be in eternity with him forever? Right? Are you picking up what I'm putting down now? And so Jesus' message is the same as John the, John the Baptist's message, and that's the message that you and I are supposed to be preaching to the world right now. And so we go back to John, 1, John 14, and I want to just quickly read to you the conversation that happened between Jesus and his disciples leading to the promise that God is making the Pendleton and Pilot Rock Adventist Church today. Here it is. John chapter 14, verse 7. John chapter 14, verse 7, for those of you that are watching on the live stream. Just before I got up to preach, I had people messaging in from the Philippines, Australia, and places all over the world that said, we're on the live stream. We can't wait for the message today. That's really fun. I think that's great. We're preaching the message into all the world as a witness to all the nations, Pendleton. You should be excited about that. Thank you to the sound crew upstairs. Thank you to the audiovisual crew for filming this and putting it on the live stream so that people all over the world can hear it. Okay, so here we go. If you had known me, you would have known my father also, and from now on you do know him and have seen him. What is Jesus telling them? Hey, you guys, you say you don't know the way to the Father. I'm telling you that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And by the way, from now on, quit saying that you don't know the way because I am the way, and if you know me, you also know God the Father. That's good news. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. So Philip is like, hey, listen, I want to uh, follow Doubting Thomas's lead here. How about you just show us God the Father, then we'll believe you. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. But if you won't believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me on account of the words, at least believe me because of all of the miracles you've seen. And then he says, and this is the thing that God wants to say to each and every single person listening here today and everyone that's listening on the live stream. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father 
And whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. We're seeing war in Russia. We've just gone through, like, it seemed, how many years of COVID-19? It seems like it's been forever, and we're still, right? It's just never-ending. Prices are going up. Paychecks are going down. We're all getting older. Okay, some of you are still so young, you think, ha, but I'm going to live forever. just want to read something to you, and I want to ask you to sing a hymn with me. What did Jesus say? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments, John 14, 15, and I will pray. Now, why am I, why am I including this part? Because it's important for us to know what to do about the problem, isn't it? I've already demonstrated to you that we're just like the disciples. We're just like the children of Israel who didn't go into the promised land, right? And now I'm giving you the solution to the problem so that the, que- the answer to the question, why not us, can be, you know what? Yeah, why not us? If you love me, what? And, okay, so he says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and then I'm going to do something. And I will pray the Father. Did you know that Jesus is in the sanctuary right now going through the process of the atonement, and he is ready to pray the Father to pour out the latter rain for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in unlimited measure for all of the authority that Jesus has to be given to his people so that we can be a part of doing the works he did in greater works than these? Do we actually believe that that can happen? Or are we just going to keep saying, but the giants in the land are too big, we don't believe it can happen? And letting the devil take more and more of our loved ones to the grave because we just don't believe it, God, so we need to go back into the wilderness for 40 more years. How long are we going to not believe that the works Jesus did and greater works than these will be done in us? He says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and what? And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Isn't it good news that the savior of the universe is going to send us the comforter to be in us who will give us all of the truth, remind us of everything he said, do the works that he did through us. You know what? I got news for you. It won't be us doing it. It's going to be Jesus doing it through us when we quit trying to do it ourselves. And when we quit trying to do it with money and politics and the kingdoms of this world, and when we quit complaining about the circumstances and looking at all of the negative things that Satan is doing and telling everyone about everything that Satan is doing, and we start talking about the things God is doing, then he will pray the Father. And then he will give the authority and then greater signs and wonders. And in the end times, God will have a people on the face of the earth who are God's love express. We will literally be in his image. We, people will see him through us because he will be living in us and through us. And he will be doing the works that he did in greater works than these right in the face of the enemy. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. I have to read this part. Listen to this. Why does Jesus say all of this? Is he mad at this? Is he upset? Like, you know, you look, at the, you look at the children of Israel in the desert and he says, you gotta go back into the wilderness for 40 more years and all of you have to die. Do you think God was happy when that happened? And he says, listen, I've told you all these things. I've spoken to you while, you while I'm still here with you. Jesus spoke these things to the disciples. He says, I told you about this while I'm still here because I want you to know 
but the helper of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things. Friends, we don't have to remember all the things that God wants us to tell others on our own. Jesus will tell us through the Holy Spirit and he will bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. Friends, we can actually know the things that Jesus said to the disciples because the Holy Spirit can tell us. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I get excited about it. Peace I, have, peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. <laughs> Don't even be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I am going to the Father for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it comes to pass, what? You may believe. He told us the time was coming. And he told us because he wants us to believe because if we'll believe, our suffering can end. Not because we don't have afflictions in the flesh, not because we don't have problems, but because Jesus can bless us and make us a blessing to the world so that they can know the name by which they can have eternal life. And when you know that, then what the devil's doing in the world doesn't matter anymore. Because what God is doing is so much greater. I want you to sing a song with me. You can choose to stand, sit, pray. You know this little black book I told you about at the beginning? It's got names on it. We all have a list like that, don't we? Everyone sitting in this congregation today can think of people that they love that are struggling with their health, that are struggling financially, that are struggling in relationships, that are feeling broken and tired, that are saying, God, you gave us a mission, but it's impossible for us. And Jesus is saying, yes, it is. But I'm going to send you another, and I'm going to help you. And we're going to get this thing done together. Is it good news we don't have to do it alone, friends? I want to sing you this song. I sang this song in the seminary chapel right after my dad passed away. They called me. They said, if you don't want to be a part of the service, you don't have to be. But Andrews University would like to put on a service for your dad. I said, I want to come and I want to sing one song. That's all I want to do. And they said, okay. It's COVID-19, we don't allow singing, but your dad just passed away, so we're gonna allow you to sing. Cool. I went and sat in that chapel, feeling so disappointed that my dad wasn't gonna see me graduate. And waited for my time to come. Anyone feeling disappointed today? Anybody feeling tired? Anyone praying for someone that hasn't accepted Jesus yet that you're praying that they will? Anyone have family that's struggling financially that can't pay their bills? Anyone crying because you have friends and relatives in Ukraine and Russia? It's just terrible. Anyone lose anyone to COVID-19? Anyone saying, why not us? Anyone tired of seeing children starving around the world and dying every night while we're sleeping in our comfortable beds? Anyone tired? God is tired. And in the face of all of it, this is what we have right here. When peace like a attendeth 
my way when sorrows like sea billows blow whatever my lot thou hast told me to say it is well it is trials should come let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate even shed his own blood for my soul it is well with my soul with my soul it is well it is well with my on this verse, if you don't know the words, it's in 530. My sin, all oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. How much of it? My sin, not in part, but the whole. It is nailed to and I'm buried no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. It is well with my like me and you're saying why not this generation why not us why not let God empower us to go on the mission why not preach that gospel of a kingdom that is already here and ask God to make us part of his kingdom coming and his will being done if you're part of those sing this with me and Lord haste the day when the faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll. 
And the Lord shall descend Even so it is with, with my soul Sing it out It is with Bless everybody. Happy Sabbath.